0: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world.
1: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting to over 60 countries from Hollywood Boulevard. Right in the middle of the third most important center in the world for entrepreneurs, for startups, for incubators, angels, VCs. This is where it's all happening. Silicon Beach, California. This is where technology and entertainment intersect. And I want to thank you for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. I really do appreciate it. Don't take it for granted, continue to work hard. Now, we've often spoken about mentors and the fact that it's essential for everyone in business today, not just entrepreneurs, to have mentors that can provide you with great guiding advice. You know, keep in mind that over 95% of all businesses, and some reports say as high as 99% of all businesses, mm-hmm. fail. And great mentors can ensure that you're in the top five percent, not in that bottom 95%. You know, there are a lot of brilliant business people in this world, and I've always surrounded myself with, um, with great mentors. One of these is a guy named John Scholl, who's an international service, customer service strategist. He's, he's brilliant. He's the uh, founder and president of the Service Quality Institute in Minneapolis. He's written a whole heap of books on customer service, and he's developed more than 26 customer service training programs. And John talks about uh, how disruptive service today is tomorrow's competitive advantage. And when you think about it, with all the new technologies that are bombarding us every day, it's become more difficult to decipher a steady path for not only companies, but for individuals to try and see what the hell's ahead. How do we guide employees through this new technology and look for that competitive advantage? You know, how do we create a platform for excelling at different levels in companies to ensure success and endure all those growing pains that we all have to go through to get to the next step? How do we continue to be able to compete? And as our understanding of the makeup of humans increases, so does our ability to create opportunities to improve our performance and then create high value to everybody that we come in contact with every day. It's called disrupting the normal way of doing things. Or as Jeff Bezos puts it, if you want to do more of something, make the friction less. If you want to do less of something, make the friction more. And that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Clayton Christensen's book, The Innovator's Dilemma, the revolutionary book that will change the way you do business, that talks about disruptive technology. It's an en- enormously influential business book. Everybody's read it, whose principles Amazon acted on and have facilitated the creation of the Kindle and AWS. You know, it seems to me that some companies are reluctant to embrace disruptive technology because it, it might alienate customers and undermine their core businesses. But Christensen argues that ignoring potential disruption is much more costly to your business. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Disruptive technology is staying faithful to your principles and your core values, but it includes a, a willingness to try a lot of things and make mistakes. A lot of people are afraid of making mistakes. We shouldn't be afraid of making mistakes. We should... Embrace mistakes, you know, and don't make them over and over and over again. And, but you make a mistake, pivot, go and do it again. Um, Jeff Bezos included both in Amazon's corporate values. His number one core value is to be fanatical about customer service. And that's interesting because it's not what we think about when talking about disruptive formats, You know, to be disruptive, we generally think about interrupting the normal course of things. So we think about um, the personal computer, which displaced the typewriter. Cell phones, which made it possible for anybody, anywhere to call us. Um, Cloud computing, hugely disruptive. Social networking, it's totally changed the way that we communicate. Email. Email. You know, we used to write letters and stick them in envelopes and put stamps on them and stick them in a mailbox and a week later to get there. So emails totally transformed the way we communicate. Smartphones replaced cell phones and PDAs and also disrupted cameras and MP3 players and calculators and GPS devices. It just disrupted a whole range of things. So... Disruptive Service is John Scholl's guide to delivering exemplary service to every person that walks through your doors, resulting in overall corporate success in terms of corporate retention, new sales, word of mouth, cheapest way to build your business, and the most sure, market share, financial vitality, and getting a really positive reputation in your community. Now, I argue in my book, Kick-Ass Marketing, How to Blitz Your Competition, that customer service is the critical animal in creating and sustaining a competitive advantage. And you need to look no further than Amazon to see how you can really destroy your competitors. Think about Amazon. They have blitzed it, and their customer service is absolutely superlative. And they're in an intensely competitive marketplace. So customer service is not just a competitive edge. It's the competitive edge. Service is the new standard by which customers judge your performance. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult for a lot of managers today to look at service as a marketing strategy, I mean, too many of them think of it as just after sale, something you have to do, rather than something that can really disrupt the way you do business and blitz those competitors of yours. It's like a silent killer that no one sees coming. And companies today waste a fortune on, you know, ineffective advertising, ineffective marketing strategies, ineffective customer service. You know, don't they realize that business has dramatically shifted when a company gives customer service at least as much power and influence over decisions as they give financial considerations? Then once you do that, then you're well on your way to achieving a competitive advantage. And you do it well enough, you can get to dominate your market. Just look at Amazon, Home Depot, and Costco. All have unbelievable service and all blitz their competitors. So as John Scholl says, disruptive service changes the game and puts it in your advantage, and there is nothing truer than that. Now, most of us when we came out of college, came out broke, and in debt, (laughs) and a hell of a lot of us never changed that situation. So what are the lessons that will make you a millionaire? You know, there's a lot of millionaires around in the US, about nine people in every hundred adults millionaires, nine in a hundred. So have a look around you. Do they look much smarter than you? (laughs) Shouldn't you be one of those millionaires? The reason you're not is probably because you don't want it badly enough. It's really hard to be successful and 95% of people fail, but they usually fail because they don't bloody try hard enough. And there are some simple rules that you can follow. You know, paycheck after paycheck. Most people run out of money before they run out of the month. You know, they run out of money and they've still got six days to go. Woo! They're struggling to pay the bills, they're struggling to pay student loans. And you have to realise that if you want to make more money, you have to make a bigger impact. The more impact you make, the more income you earn. To make a greater impact, You need to offer amazing services we've just been talking about. And as I've said many, 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 many times, service is the key. And maybe you don't offer bad service. Maybe you offer good service. And maybe you make an impact. But maybe it's just not enough. You know, good service is not enough today. You have to have knock your socks off service. Good service just means you're going to fail. Awesome service will bring you success. Earning money, when you think about earning money, it's really pretty simple, isn't it? And you should remember this formula for the rest of your life. This is the magic formula. The demand for for what you do and your ability to do it and the difficulty of replacing you will determine your income. Now the first element of this is to uh, ensure that the demand for what you do is high if you want to get paid. If you want to earn more money, you have to find a target market who have a demand. You can also use your imagination and your creativity to create a demand. For example, if you think about the elevator, before the elevator was created, everybody was taking the stairs. And Archimedes created the elevator in 236 BC and then 1823, Burton and Homer improved it and then Alicia Graves Otis perfected the safety in 1854 and this created demand. And you have to be in demand to earn top dollar. would you rather do, go up in an elevator or walk up the stairs? I know which one I'd like. So you created a demand, so therefore you can earn top dollar. Secondly, your ability to accomplish the task, it's got to be the best if you want a higher income. If you're a mediocre worker, you know, you're pretty ordinary, people don't depend on you, they don't expect much of you. On the other hand, they're not going to pay you very much. But if you're really reliable and capable of doing anything they throw at you, you'll be trusted for those services of yours. So let's think about a server at a restaurant. You know, there's millions of servers at a restaurant. Let's assume that the average server at a busy restaurant earns a hundred bucks for a four hour shift. If you're used to working ten tables a night with average service, you earn a hundred bucks. However, if I go in and I'm totally motivated, I'm prepared to give 110% every night, and I can handle 10 tables, but I give them phenomenal service, I have great personality, I communicate with them, I'm dependable, I'm consistent, I'm enthusiastic, then my tables will enjoy themselves more, and I might earn 150 bucks. So my additional skills or motivation are going to get me $50 more and over the course of a year, working five days a week, I'm going to earn an additional $12,500. So if you're looking to earn more money, you just increase your ability to deliver your product or service in a really exceptional way. Even though the immediate rewards not be, may not be apparent, believe me, they will come. The third key to blitzing your competitors and becoming one of the 9% who are millionaires is to ensure that it's bloody difficult to replace you. If you're in a job where you are highly replaceable, easy to find people to do your job, you have absolutely no chance of earning more money and climbing the income tree. You are screwed. However, if you're Cristiano Ronaldo, then the difficulty of replacing you is unbelievably high. You get a minimum of 50 million a year. In other words, the people who have built a reputation for doing superior work are rewarded the most and they become irreplaceable. Now, this is pretty logical, right? I mean, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to work any of this out. So ask yourself, is there anything that you can do extremely well that few others can do that is really in demand. Have you got the ability to offer impeccable service? If what you do with great ability is highly demanded and hard to find, then you're gonna earn the most in your particular industry. And if you do, you get a reputation. You get a reputation, you can earn more money. In this world today, there are literally hundreds of millions of opportunities to create a better mousetrap to perform better than those around you and often it doesn't have to be a giant leap it might just be some small incremental change that makes something really important so don't flop in front of the tv because that's a waste of time put in the hard yards and find that niche so that you can develop your skills and become irreplaceable. Trust me, it's there, but it's up to you to find it. I've got a great guest today, terrific bloke, Mark Shulman. And in the mid-1990s, he was a drummer for Simple Minds, and since then he's played with Foreigner, Cheryl Crow, Stevie Nicks, Destiny's Child, Billy Idol, Beyonce, and uh, he's just finished world tours with Sher and Pink. So from a drummer point of view, he is a bloody superstar, but he's also a music producer, an audio engineer. He's the co-owner of West Triad Recording Studios in Venice, California. He's also a member of Metal, of which I'm a member. He's a good guy and a mate. And he's got a lot of really good advice for every entrepreneur and, in fact, everybody in business or, in fact, anyone who's playing in this thing called life. He really is very smart, very pragmatic, and a really nice guy. And I'll be back with Mark immediately after this break on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to
1: the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Where Over the past five and a half years, we've given you insights into the lives of, I don't know, 260 or 270 or something, of the world's most interesting people. What they do. That makes them great, and we try to find out what it is that makes them tick. You know, there is nothing harder than being successful in business. It is bloody tough. Not somewhere between 95 and 99% of all businesses fail, and that's a that's an extraordinary percentage. And it just goes to show just how difficult it is. And that's why. I stress on this show constantly how important it is to have mentors. You must surround yourself with mentors and not just friends who like you and are going to say yes to everything you suggest, but people who've had experience in various aspects of business, people who are not afraid to say to you, look, that is a fucking ridiculous idea, you know, and people that'll help you make the right decisions. And we need to listen to them we need to buy business books and we need to take on board that advice because everybody in business, doesn't matter what you do, you can open a dry cleaning store or you can have the newest app. We all face the same challenges. So everybody has to dream, you have to persevere and you have to overcome obstacles. The great achievers amongst us find, that, find a, a good work-life balance Give back to the community and remain caring, giving people. Today's guest is a superstar and he ticks all of those boxes. Added to that, he's a bloody good guy. Now, in the mid 1990s, Mark Shulman was a drummer for the band Simple Minds and his Simps played with Foreigner Sheryl Crow, Stevie Nicks, Destiny's Child, Billy Idol, Sherb Pink, and uh, he's also a music producer. Oh, I left out Beyonce, sorry. Um, Also a music producer and audio engineer, and he's a co-owner of West Triad Recording Studios in Venice, California. He's the recipient of numerous gold and platinum discs and has appeared on nearly every American and European variety show on television, including the Grammys' David Letterman, Tonight Show, Conan O'Brien. It just goes bloody on and on. This guy has done everything. And not only that, He's got writing and production credits that include films and TV shows and commercials and jingles for people like McDonald's and Sony and the Disney Channel and Showtime and USA Network Sopranos, School of Rock, Beverly Hills 3. God, I wish I had a resume like that. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> Mark! Oh, Bob. <laughs> Welcome to the Bob Pritchard
2: Radio Show. That was the most extraordinary intro ever. You win. That's <laughs> um,
1: Now you're one of the most famous drummers in the world and yet I know you through metal which um, for those of you who haven't been listening to me over the last five years stands for Media Entertainment Technology Alpha Leaders which essentially consists of the leading 2,000 technological and digital superstars in America so it's a pretty highfalutin group Mark, what brings you to metal?
2: <laughs> well,
1: and, you know,
2: you know at, at, at a point I realized in my career, I was talking to a buddy, my Paul Stoltz, who created the Adversity Quotient, and really great thinker, a great friend We're hanging out on his deck. <clears throat> and he said, hey, man, how many people do you think you played for in your life? And after about a half hour, <laughs> I think I must have turned white. And he said, oh, my gosh. I think I must have played for over a billion people in my life. I performed, and and it was right around that time I was thinking about writing a book, because I thought, you know, I'd gotten into doing a little bit of corporate speaking, because I've been doing these music clinics, uh, and essentially telling people about the experiences that I have had, and how that can relate back to the corporate world, because we all have experiences, we all have stories, and uh, certainly... You know, there's great metaphors in music. The band metaphor relates to the team metaphor, the hierarchy of the tour, the artist being the CEO, and I started realizing, wow, I probably have something that I have to say, and so I created a program, really high-energy, rock-and-roll-based program um, for the corporate world, and I, and I decided to write a book because I realized that i failed a, an audition miserably early on in the beginning of my career and had to recover from that. And I feel like, you know, like deleterious stage fright, performance anxiety, which we all get, not just related to the stage, it's related to any kind of communication, getting a sales pitch, talking to your boss, talking to your kid, giving a toast at a friend's wedding, communication is it. And oftentimes we get paralyzed by that, those tenuous moments. And I thought, well, I'm pretty qualified to talk about that. (laughs) So I ended up doing a lot of research, went down the rabbit hole. Um, I tell my wife I'm going to write a book. She says, that's great, honey. Why don't you interview some other quote-unquote top performers? So I ended up interviewing over 50 people right. in a variety of different industries. Tony Shea, the CEO for Zappos, yes. You know, astronaut Alan Bean, actor Jeremy Piven. And I, I, I realized that <clears throat> I had a, massive, a, a really wonderful information, some wonderful stories, and endorsements of three core concepts that I had realized that I had my intellectual property. So I wrote a book called Conquering Life Stage, right? Three Steps to Top Performance. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got in the middle because I started, got into speaking and I went to my my first National Speakers Association and I met the lovely and talented Scott Page, who you know very well. I I'm love sure. Scott. Yeah, He's, Scott he's another blood. one of these
1: gems. We were talking oh, about Freddie Revel earlier.
2: Talk about an over his oh, Freddie. I mean, you know... Oh. Yeah, they're overachievers, man. You know, yeah, that, I mean you talk about mentors. Uh, Scott immediately became a mentor of mine because what a what a technological wizard and what a guy who just had yeah. an understanding I had to grow a business. And and he introduced me to Ken. Yeah. And Ken is the founder of uh, of Metal International. Yep. And um and, and I, that that just expanded this entire network of brilliant, brilliant people. I mean, look, you know, I, I gotta tap into what you said about mentors because to me, I essentially look at anybody that I can learn from it becomes a mentor to me. I, I feel like I'm a chronic student. Yep. And I think to have success in, it, it's, it's kind of like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know unless you're just a pompous asshole. Yeah. And the pompous assholes don't succeed. That's right. It's the people, it's the people that are always like a sponge, willing to absorb as much information and be willing to make mistakes and yep. be willing to learn so that, that to me is so. I, I kind of look at life as one mentor after another. You know, you're you're you've become a mentor now because your success, man. I'm gonna, you know, I want to tap into you and find out everything that I can learn from you, and, and give back everything that I know in return. You yeah. know, one of the well, the guy that originally gave me my uh, publishing deal, and he ended up uh, not doing the publishing company was a gentleman named Tim Sanders, you might know. Yes. And Tim is an amazing thinker, and Tim. His philosophy is like, he's like, man, give it back, give as much away as you possibly can because a lot of people try to hoard the information instead of sharing it. Yes, and absolutely. I've become a you know, supporter of that. It's like, man, how can we exchange? That's what Battle International is. That's why we're talking because you and I met because that's a group of people whose currency is information and exchanging what we all have that some you know the, the missing link that others might need, and. That's that's just that's sort of my, my mantra my my philosophy like how can I be of service, man? How can how can I be of service to you, Bob? How can I be of service to anybody that you know that, that can gain from whatever experience and knowledge that I've amassed?
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, well, anytime you've got a spare twenty minutes, I'll teach you everything I know.
2: Um, twenty minutes, count it. <laughs> <laughs> now but if you could do it in twenty minutes. That's, you know then you then you know you will be a billionaire.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, your parents are both college English college English professors. Um, yeah. You're a yeah. classically trained cellist, and as a teenager, you played cello with the Los Angeles Junior Philharmonic. Now all that's pretty hoity-toity sort of background, isn't it? That's all sort well, of Beverly Hills here's, background.
2: Here's, here's the truth, man. The truth is, like, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and that was it. I saw Ringo. I saw the Screaming Girls. You know, I made the rock and roll sign at three years old and said, Oh, here, i got to play drums! And my mom said, No, it's too late. I don't you play a nice instrument? My older brother, Randy, played violin. So when we're at his violin lesson, who my godfather was teaching him, I saw it look like a big violin in the corner. I said, Okay, Mama, I'll play that. So they played cello, and then finally they couldn't deny my passion for drums. And I was a bit schizophrenic because I played cello in the orchestra and drums in the band. But playing cello gave me an amazing... Sense of pitch and musicality, so I've got no regrets. But I would never call myself a cellist now, out of respect to cello cello players, because you know I kind of kind of stopped when I was thirteen or fourteen because I got so into drums and girls that so I said, ah, hell with cello, this is more fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's not, there's not too many groupies I wouldn't imagine hanging around the Los Angeles Los Angeles Junior Philharmonic, but it's a long <laughs> way, it's a long way from being a a cellist. Um, in a philharmonic to being a rock and roll drummer with Billy Idol, for example. I mean, that seems to me to be about as far apart as <laughs> yeah, you can get. I'm better
2: suited for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, what did your parents say when you, you know, really decided to get it? I remember Donkeys years ago. I had a television show for a number of years, and when it was cancelled, um, you know, I went around and did clubs and appeared everywhere I could, and I ended up taking a gig. In Singapore, in a drag show, and uh, my mother was—that I would have loved to have seen. (laughs) My mother was absolutely horrified.
2: So first of all, why did you tell her?
1: <laughs> That's a very good hey, question.
2: Mom, I got this major gig. I'm, 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 I'm in a drag show, but it's a highly-rated it's a drag show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know have seen things. Well, no, your poor mom probably sat down and started crying. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Now, you also wear the
1: hats of host, you're an MC. you're a keynote speaker, you appear on television and live events and conventions for big global companies, and at the 2016 New York Tech Summit, the organisers said, Mark was literally amazing, hands down the best keynote we've ever had, so what's the message that you deliver to that level of business achievers and entrepreneurs that obviously you know resonates so well with them, what what is it? Is it just your good
2: looks or what is it? Yeah, it's my good looks. <laughs> well, Jeez. as I said, I, I realized that um, there's information that I have gained and things I've studied and philosophies I've implemented in my own life that are across the board resonant in different industries because I speak to in everyone like Johnson & Johnson, to uh, uh, uh that does cell software. uh the New York tech summit, you know, the book conquering my stage, Ride, The three steps to top performance, um, are actually derived from another great thinker, one, one of my dear friends and a brilliant man named Dr. Jim Samuels. And I call them the three C's the clarity, capability, and confidence. And they're deceptively right. simple sounding, but essentially I, I talk about my experience clearly, clearly defining my goals so I'm eliminating all confusion. You know, making absolute decisions, which enable me to take definitive action, and yep. then I build capabilities. That's the second scene. and it's not about what we play, so to speak. It's how we play it. So it's it's having the clarity to the capability and focus on the right things. Because you know the the thing that screwed me up, I, I failed and miserably. Failed this audition with bad English back in the days. So many people know that dance. <laughs> And it was because of what I didn't know, the missing information. The missing yeah. information, usually the simple stuff, that's what kills relationships, projects, companies. Um, and so if, if you have real clarity about every detail and you know exactly how to spend your time to develop the capability, that's what leads to absolute, true, unadulterated confidence as opposed to false confidence. So I just essentially tell my story working through these three stages uh, I, you know there's these three steps and then how it relates back to the individual mandate of a particular event or conference mm. you know if it's a tech like it's if, 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 if tech you know, I, I might you know make some tech examples sales people I'll, I'll make I make some sales examples um, I did an, I did QVinion makes sales software. So they wanted to celebrate the unsung heroes. This is sure. all that comes to mind. So I thought, well, how can I draw a parallel between my life and their life? And I thought, okay. So in the middle of the presentation, I go, guys, can you imagine what it's like being on stage? You're in front of 20,000 people, 40,000 eyeballs, and not one eyeball is looking at you. And I go, What? If they think I'm a rock star, the truth is that I'm in the service business. I'm in what I call the back line. I'm the unsung hero. I'm the one that's there to make Pink look good or Cher look good or Billy Idol. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the rock star. And so I can, you know, I can, people can immediately sort of relate back to that experience, and they can relate back to the failed audition, the failed interview, what they missed, the critical information they missed, how to now find that information, how to realign their orientation to be able to create that clarity and, and make the decision. And I essentially motivate people to take action. Look, you know, you don't give a speech unless you want to change the world, unless you want you want to motivate people to take action. You know better than I do. Sure. You're a world-class speaker. You've been doing it way longer than me, and I've been learning, you know, volumes from you. But you know, man, you want those people... You know, I, I hate the term motivational speaker because any good speaker motivates. It's like, yeah. you, you motivate. I want you to walk away taking definitive action, simple action that you can do that's going to change your life, that's going to improve your business, that's going to, you know, just affect your bottom line positively from the get-go. That's what we're there to do. And I feel like I can do that. Plus, for me, I freaking play drums, man. I, play, I I demonstrate it with songs. When yeah. I talk about it, it's not what we play, it's how we play it. I play drums so they get an experience... So, you know, I don't try to be somebody that I'm not. And then I bring people on stage and I have everybody do rhythmic, um, you know, one of the important things I talk about is the importance of the value of listening because very few people really listen. And I said, that's been one of my amazing assets. So I demonstrate, take them through rhythmic exercises, teaching them literally how to listen from my standpoint, but they can now apply that back to their own life and they can talk about it. And, you know, I love it. That's why I like to stick around all day because I want to... I want it to resonate. I want people to see me. To, I'm going to be the memory key for them, and then we can discuss the things that, that, that I talked about that, that they learned and how they can further implement and really sort of slam it home. So the next day they wake up, they go, wow, I can implement this particular thing that Mark talked about, and it's going to be effective. And, you know, that's what business is, right? Business is about being effective. You talked about the 95 to 99% success rate. That's frightening. Fine, that's because right. people, yeah. you know, don't have clarity. They're not putting, they're not concentrating their capabilities in the right, in the right area. You know, universal theories and concepts that are, that are foundational are going to work for any business. And that's what I try to draw upon. It's just kind of what I know from my own experience of the success that I've had.
1: And the failures
2: too. I talk about the big failures, man. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? I do Part too. Of it. Yeah, I do t- I actually talk about failures because it's it's a much bigger reservoir to draw from.
2: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you that story you just oh, I want to hear about. You know, I, I can't wear like that's got to be a that's a story. You know, you you got in a in, in a drag. You were you were a drag queen essentially. You know, I mean, and look at you now. You know.
1: Yeah, I've got to stop wearing those dresses. Yeah, I was going to say.
2: I, I you were so like, oh well, wow, I'm to wear the clothes. Go, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> now you often
1: talk about the secrets to achieving and maintaining stadium size success. Is that is that the same the same principles?
2: Oh I'll tell you, man. It, it it is the same principles. I mean I I've gotten used to playing on arenas and stadiums, but let me tell you, man, I I've done a few executive summits. I've done I think three in the last six months. Yeah. Where I'm speaking to 20, 22 people in a small room with my drum set yeah. and a TA. And I got to tell you, that's more challenging for me than speaking to 20,000
1: people. I agree. Like, I can I can walk out in front of 20,000 people, no problem. Stick me in front yeah. of 11 and I'm as nervous as hell.
2: Well, that's the thing. And and so that's that's when I really realized that universal concepts are universal concepts because it's still about communication. It's still about making the decision. It's about how, how to take the action, what to focus on before you take the action. Yeah, universal universal concepts. I uh, <laughs> One of my yes. favorites was, I spoke for an executive summit for the Honest Company, which is Jessica Alba. Yes, yes. I mean, who, who hasn't had a crush on Jessica Alba, right? So I'm sure. sitting in there, in like 20, 22 people, and Jessica Alba, in a room the size of my living room. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and... And, you know I bring people on I bring people up to demonstrate but I always I, I don't I always let people at, you know operate on their own free will so you know how badly I wanted to bring Jessica up and but I thought you know I'm gonna get a volunteer from the audience it's gonna be cool but um, you know we that's that, that's part of what I talk about is how to move through those moments of those tenuous moments you know the, the truth is that you don't wanna get completely get rid of the sage fright of the fear. I mean, here's an example. I interviewed a lot of people. I interviewed Guy Thierry. And guy is a very yeah. confident, real rock star, you know. And he said, You know, man, I, I like to have a little bit of fear that it keeps me on my game. He's super cool. And then when we talked, he became more comfortable with me. He said, Dude, I gotta tell you the truth. He said, I need to feel a little bit of that fear because it keeps me aware of the consequences and makes me make sure that I'm giving my customers, my clients the true value for their money. And yeah. it reminded me of my time with this band, Foreigner. I played with Foreigner three different times. I loved playing with a band, but the first time I played with Foreigner, we did two records, we were touring so much. One point, I'm walking to the stage, and I'm sitting there thinking, it's God's big joke, because I played, feels like the first time, <laughs> about 400 certain times. But I had no fire in the belly. Yeah. And Frank, I realized at that point, I sucked. Like that last few weeks of performances, I was not in peak performance, so to speak. So I knew I had to do something. Yeah. So I started running out in front of the audience and just connecting with their excitement. Because I'd grown to one of the studies I did is I realized the chemistry for fear and excitement in the body are essentially the same thing I think you probably noticed. Yeah. So the very things that can make us afraid are the things that make us excited. And that's what undermines us. So... I figured by connecting with their excitement, it's going to inspire a little bit of those butterflies. I got the butterflies back in the belly. And within two gigs, I was a peak performance again because it's not about getting rid of the stage right the here. It's about taming it and harnessing it. It's it also it puts you in like a, this acute, sort of like hyper-aware space. You know what I mean? Like get on stage. You don't feel nothing. You feel nothing, man. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, True. so I, I realize that that part of it is taming and harnessing it. So, you know, whether you're, whether it's twenty people or one person, which can even be harder, or twenty thousand people, you want a little bit of that higher in the belly. It's when it gets deleterious, overwhelming, that you need to figure out ways to control it. And that's why I give some specific techniques um, in my book because at the end of every chapter, I actually have little little uh, sort of exercises. Because, you know, we all learn differently, so it's not like everybody's going to take the exact same information and implement it the same way, sure. so I try to give them a, a, a sort of different ways, different different styles of implementation, if you will.
1: So 99% of people listening to this show um, are called on at some time or another to give a presentation, whether it's at, at their work or whether it's somebody's wedding or something, and... They're all they're always nervous and I must admit, before I get up on the stage I I get nervous and I, I actually go through that God, what's what's my opening line again? What am I gonna say? Who, yeah. Who's this company? You know, all of a sudden they have a <laughs> total mental block. Um, so how does how does Joe out there how does he overcome that um that fright. I mean, the first one is obviously preparation. The more prepared you are, the more confident you are. But um, yeah. what, what do you suggest they do to, to just overcome that
2: fear? Well, here's the thing. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate what you just said. I mean, you go back to the three core concepts. You need real clarity about why you are there, what you are there to communicate. And then you need to be have developed that capability. You say, be prepared. Cause I'll tell you something, man, if you go on stage and you're not prepared, you should be freaking scared. That's your defense. That's your body's defense mechanism taking, taking control. Uh, so, but if you have clarity about what and why you're doing it and you've done the work and you still have sort of this overwhelming stage, right? Um, here's three examples, three quick tips and tricks that, that um, I use. And, and you kind of tapped into it a little bit. You said, well, what's the name of that company again? What's my opening line? You know, Tony Shay said something to that's you' Now Tony Shay <coughs> runs Zappos. He's a billionaire. Yep. He speaks for fun. He wrote a great book, Delivering Happiness. He's he's definitely a philosophical, man. He's become a friend, but you know this guy doesn't have to speak, man. He don't need the money. Sure. <laughs> you know, he's got nothing to prove, you know. So he said he still gets super nervous as well. I said, well, what do you do? He goes, well, I learned that the jitters go away. 30 to 45 seconds, they're going to be gone. And that's the case with about 95% of us, unless you have some bigger emotional issue, which I'm not going to address now, because that's something you really should discuss with a therapist or or somebody who's trained. But if you're like most of us, and you just get this nervousness, and it gets a little overwhelming, because you might not be that used to speaking, or you just get it anyway, it's sort of a general thing that happens to you. What Tony Shea does, I do the same thing. He's got a go-to story that he just knows so well that he, he's got it memorized that he can almost go on autopilot and yep. work through the titters. Yeah, that go-to story. You know, my go-to story is, well, first of all, I don't want to give away the intro, when I do, because it's a bit of a surprise. But essentially, my go-to story is I play drums. I play a song. Right. Because, you know, when it comes to speaking versus playing drums, I'm more comfortable playing drums. I've been doing that longer. So <laughs> I get on stage and play drums, and that loosens me up. Yeah. And then they get the audience doing an interactive clapping exercise. So everybody is listen up. It also brings them, we get we get immediate resonance. If yes, you do something sure. just to get immediate resonance, tell a story, do something funny, engage them, and you work through the jitters. You know, I'm telling you, man, you work through the jitters, and you get some smiles, you get immediate response from them, and that that, that speaks, speaks volumes. Here's, here's another another one. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Rhonda Beeman, she's an amazing speaker. She was a Professor, she's retired now. Cal, uh, Cal State University, San Luis Obispo. This gal was so good, I know because I spoke after her once years ago, and she became a friend. And she was so good, and I and, and I interviewed her for my book. And she said, "I'm scared shitless every time I go on stage." She said, "You're kidding me." What do you do? She goes, "You know, what, man, I act confident. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like I'm I'm playing a role because she said." You know, she has a clarity. She knows what she's going to talk about. She's done the work. She's got a little too much tutors, so she yeah. goes on stage and she plays a role because she says essentially, within the same thing within about forty five seconds, my brain believes it. You know, it, it's like we're bigger than our minds. You know, to get a little metaphysical here, it's like you are not your mind. You know, there's there's something driving the train. There's spirit, whatever you want to call it, God, energy, whatever your philosophy is. That's not the issue. It's just know that. Your mind will listen to you if you take control. So, if you act confident, you will then become confident because that's what the mind does. The mind is, 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 the spirit is senior to mind. I'll say it that way. Yeah. And then, my own one that I do, like, I kind of laughed at myself because I was getting so overwhelmed, even though I'd worked so hard on the speaking gigs. I was scared shitless. And one day I just started talking to myself, as crazy people do, you know? Yeah. And I said, Hi, Mark. I, I, I jumped outside of my body, started coaching myself. I said, okay, Mark, who are you thinking about? Um, uh, myself. Okay, Mark, well, who might you be thinking about instead of yourself? Um, oh, the audience. Well, what does that make you, Mark, if you're just thinking about yourself? A selfish bastard. Very good. <laughs> and I started realizing that, you know, if I looked at the audience, it's kind of the same thing I did with the, the opposite. I did with the foreigner people. I started connecting with them and, just empathizing with their wants and needs, and instead yeah. of being so, because when we're nervous, we tend to be so insular and so self-focused and self-obsessed. You're there to be of service. You yep. are there to, um, you know, tap into them. So when I when I remind myself of that, I realize I'm being a selfish bastard. I start laughing at myself, and then I release. And one other thing. I get really free to fail, man. I get free to fail big. People don't think about that. <clears throat> but I think about, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? I walk on stage. I trip. I fall. I knock out. There's blood everywhere. I can't give the speech. I have to refund the money. They tell, rush me to the hospital. It's embarrassing. Or I fall off the drum stool, break my arm. I'm screaming in pain. And I start laughing because I realize, okay, it just happened. Now what? I get free to fail big. The more free I am to fail the better my chances are of succeeding. Sure. It, it, it sort of creates this, this this component of, okay, I'm free to fail, and I laugh. You know, this stuff always makes me laugh. And inevitably, anytime you can laugh, you're reducing the stress. When you reduce the stress, you crack through that fear and that anxiety that's overwhelming you, and you get it You get it under control and you get it manageable. So those are my quick tips and tricks for everybody.
1: Okay, now i, 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 I Came across a publication the other day called Busy Dad to Better Dad, and bugger me, there's Mark Shulman again. This guy just pops up everywhere. Now, with Father's Day just being last weekend, I thought I would mention this article. The headline screams, lesson number one, the lesson from Pink's drummer, Mark Shulman. One of the tips the article found to be most valuable was, whenever you use the words have to, change it to get to. What is that about? How does that make you a better dad?
2: Well, it's funny that they—I haven't seen that—and I love that they put it in that context because I love being a father. And I—I—I I, I was forty-eight when my one and only kid was born, so I'm—I'm I'm just enjoying it. But here's the thing: um, this guy by the name of Bernard Roth—he's a Stanford professor—he actually wrote a book on what he calls design thinking, and I apply that back to top performance you change kind of the way you position your thinking and it shifts what actually occurs and how you approach things. And it was my ex wife Kelly. <laughs> I first heard this from years ago, <laughs> you know, our whole relationship, she had cancer. Right. She was a true man. Today she's had like 84 blood transfusions, uh, Two courses of chemotherapy, a stem cell transplant, yep. four pacemakers, of, you know, heart surgery, lung surgery, and, and and she's a trooper. She's still alive. She's still a great, great friend, dear friend of her family, of, of my wife Lisa and mine now. But the first time she's going through chemotherapy, you know, she was losing her hair. It's like, it's so angry, man. You're already sick and tired. This beautiful woman, beautiful woman, that is losing her hair. And she was such a good sport and one day she just loses it. She just starts crying. She runs out of the house. She's gone for hours. I'm worried sick about this before her cell phone. Comes back, throws open the door. I don't even recognize her. She's smiling so big. She's cut her hair really short and dyed it bright blonde. And she's so happy and so energetic. I'm like, well, what were you thinking? She said, well, you know, instead of looking at it like I have to lose my hair, she said I decided to look at it like, I get to have a new hairstyle. <laughs> and, you know, then, then fast forward, I'm interviewing people from my book, and I'm interviewing Robbie Gould, who's the kicker for the Chicago Bears, the second most active kicker in the NFL. And he says the same thing. He goes, man, instead of looking at it like, you know, I have to work harder than everybody else, because I do, I look at it like I get to be world class. Yeah. I thought, well, this is not just, you know, pop, psychology, and then I, you know, checked out Bernard Roth's philosophy about it, and I realized there is a way to shift your thinking, certainly when things are mundane, you know, because a have to, it feels like a chore, a get to feels like a choice, a have to feels like you're the effect, and a get to feels like the cost. So if I look at, like, you know, a great example for me, like when I tell you know musicians, you don't have to practice, you get to practice. Right. And then you get to refine your craft, and you can apply it to anything. And it's an amazing thing to teach other people, especially in these stressful work environments. You know, when yeah. people go, "Well, I, you know, I have to work." No, you get to work. You know, when we're sitting in a conference, I said, "We are the luckiest people on the damn planet right now." You get to be here with your colleagues. You get to enrich your, you know, your skill set, your mindset. I mean, life is good. You know, that is. <laughs>
1: That is great advice. Mate, we're, we're running a bit out of time, um, but um, my um, my wife, previous wife, um, similar situation to you. She passed away from cancer and went through all the same things that um, your wife did. That's a that's a tough time, and um, I had the same experience no, where have. Yeah. my wife um, chopped off her hair and. and and dyed it as well and decided that, you know, this was her new look for as long as it lasted and it it does make a difference. But one of the things I want to mention about you is, and to me, one of the most important traits of great people is when they give back to the society that's been so good to them. And uh, you were the chairman of the board of directors of Create Now, which is a non-profit organisation founded to help change troubled children's lives through creative arts. You've also worked extensively with Ronald McDonald House and Teenage Cancer Trust in the UK, and uh, you talk on motivation and positive attitude to people in prison. Mate, all those things are what make you. You are not only a superstar drummer and one of the most eff- effervescent people I've ever met but um, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> you're also one hell of a nice guy and I applaud you for giving back so Mark thanks very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard radio show and you can learn oh, more Bob, about
2: it's my pleasure thank you so much uh, for the opportunity brother okay
1: well uh, you can learn more about Mark Shulman by going to markshulman.com and there are fucking like, millions of pages of stuff on this guy and it's all good um I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network after this short break.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show on the Voice America Business Channel, the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And this week, we're broadcasting from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, where technology meets entertainment. Next week, we'll be broadcasting from Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, and I'm really looking forward to that. Now, I must admit, I love my cup of Starbucks coffee, but I don't have a Starbucks loyalty card. And uh, you probably know that having a Starbucks card gets you a few bucks off free stuff, it gets a few bucks off and gets you free stuff as well, and um, which they give you for helping them make $13 billion profit a year. <laughs> and if you've got a Starbucks cart, you get stuff like a free birthday drink, free same-day in-store refills on brewed coffee. Um, you get to jump the line with the Starbucks app. You get to pay with your phone at the register and you get special offers to buy even more stuff. And if you buy enough stuff in here to get 300 stars, you get to be a gold member, which gives you all this free stuff, and uh, you get a personalized gold card. Now, does this pay off? I don't know. Maybe not for the customers, unless you buy a lot of overpriced coffee, but it certainly pays off for Starbucks. They're holding on to more than a billion and a quarter dollars of customer money that hasn't been spent on drinks or desserts or overpriced coffee mugs, and this is money that um, has been pre-loaded onto cards and the company's app. So if Starbucks were a bank, that amount, that amount of deposits would make it a respectable middle-sized institution. So between the US and Canada, 41% of transactions at retail locations involve a Starbucks card and 24% involve the mobile app. Now, by comparison, Walmart's money card has only $560 million in customer funds, less than half the cash held by Starbucks. So Starbucks cards are not only one hell of a loyalty program, but they're a huge money order earner <laughs> for Starbucks. Last Saturday, I attended Kids Metal, which featured four extraordinary child entrepreneurs, And the takeaway from each of them was that age is not a barrier to success, nor is your environment an excuse. Um, These kids have proven that you can be a huge success at 7 or 8 or 10 or 12 if you have the passion, the determination, the creativity, I guess most of all, the drive. The Full House audience of America's top entrepreneurs were all really blown away by these kids. The first kids on stage were Jake and Lachlan Johnson, who launched their first company, Flip Outs, in 2007. They appeared on Shark Tank, where they made a deal with three of the five venture capitalists. And after making their exit and selling Flip Outs, bearing in mind they're only seven or eight years old, they've launched their latest business venture, Bow Up!, And they proved that age does not define influence when they won Warren Buffett's Grow Your Own Business competition in 2014. Both Lachlan and Jake are members of Independent Youth's Teen Entrepreneurship Network who undertake a national speaking tour each year to introduce high school students to the joys of small business. Now, they were great. Now, the third kid on stage was Aaron Eshaw, who since the age 11 has pursued entrepreneurship on a higher level, has had a passion for business management and aiding up-and-coming entrepreneurs. This kid was great. His initial company, Eshore Development, was a computer software company that offered advanced technologies and services to clients in five continents. And uh, Aaron was still in high school. And Aaron also believes that age doesn't define your ability And at the age of 17, he's developed numerous corporations, including the multi-investor Inc. Ubeta Venture Capital Firm, with a preference towards under-20 entrepreneurs. The fourth kid was a human dynamo, 16-year-old Remy Smith. She's pint-sized, and her empire includes TV shows, DVDs, publishing, personal appearances globally, all while going to school she is proof positive that you don't have to be an adult to pursue your passion deck she was decked out in a white chef white chef's hat and her culinary clothes she dominated the stage in the room with her infectious personality and she looked every bit the fun chef that she obviously is she's pursuing a dream she's not waiting until she's 21 she's going for it right now last year a cookbook global cooking for kids was published Her uh, salad dressing sold at a number of supermarkets, and she's also an ambassador for a food service company who caters food to more than 4,000 schools across America, and they use Remy's Healthy Recipes. Public speaking doesn't phase her at all. She's spoken to uh, symposiums and conferences and given cooking demonstrations before 100 members of Congress. She says you have to learn from your failures and your mistakes. It's been a very bumpy roller coaster ride, but it's all really worth it. Now, there's only a few more opportunities to catch two incredible plays with two incredible Australian casts at the Casts at the Matrix Theatre on Melrose Avenue in Los Angeles. I went again the other day. Um, speaking in tongues and Ruben Guthrie are both exceptional plays and show Aussie actors that they're absolute best. So do yourself a favour and get along for a sensational night out. Get in, get online and get your tickets today. In the meanwhile, remember, if you're not really pushing the envelope and you're not living right on the edge, you're taking up just far too much space. It's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do The Ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard and I look forward to your company again next week when I will be broadcasting from Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam.
0: You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8pm Eastern Time, 5pm Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.